Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of Everyday Theology, where we connect theological truths to everyday believers. I'm Dustin Walters, and I'm joined by the amazing Ben Campbell across the screen. How are you today, Ben? I'm doing great. I wouldn't call myself amazing, but uh, doing great. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So we, you guys have been noticing that we've been blogging online at everydaytheology.co about a season we refer to as Advent or commonly referred to as Christmas. We hope the next series of podcasts will be a blessing to you and your family, uh, an item of refreshment for you. Uh, We're really excited today to get to talk about a very important topic um, in the Christian story of the gospel and in the Christmas story. Ben, tell us what we're going to talk about today. Well, uh, specifically, we're going to be talking about the reality that God became man, um, why there is a need for it, why uh, it's why what was its purpose, and then also how that um, matters for us as believers today. And we get this from John 1.14. Remember um, John 1.14, where it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the word incarnation, Ben, that's a big, fancy, ivory tower word. What does the word incarnation mean? And how does it relate to the joy, the hope, the peace that we have of Christmas? Well, there is massive hope in Christmas, Um And again, and it does come through the incarnation. Incarnation comes from a Latin term that means in flesh. So when we when we talk about God incarnate, we are talking about God in the flesh. We're talking about the the God man, uh, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity. Um, And so the incarnation is important uh, because. of the reality that God became man. Why is it important for God to become a man in salvation history? Yeah, there's so, there's so much there. Um, you think about the way that God expresses himself um, and specifically reveals himself. Um, and I like the way Mark Dever puts it. He says that uh, God's revelation is not image centered like pagan gods, but is actually word centered. And so you think of how uh, the, Isra- the Israelites received a law um, that was written for them. It was a word centered law. Um, you think about Moses and the burning bush incident. God speaks to him. Now, he does it through the means of a burning bush, but uh, the Old Testament is full of prophets. Um, who spoke, who were uh, God's heralds. Um, And then we come to the New Testament um, where God's presence was dwelt, uh, was shifting from something of a tabernacle or a temple in Jerusalem to uh, the word himself, which is Jesus Christ. Um, And so now John saying the word becoming flesh um, is important for us because it it shows us uh, it not only shows us the next uh, stage of God's progressive uh, revealing of Himself, 
But uh, it also shows us that God's word is no longer just something to be heard. It's something to be seen. And that is so important uh, for us. Now, the reason it matters is because um, because of what happened in Genesis 3. Uh, There is a problem in Genesis 3 where Adam and Eve uh, sin against God and lose this perfect communion with him. And so we've we've lost all um, ability and wherewithal to be with him. And so uh, as the great uh, scholastic theologian Anselm of Canterbury says, uh, man owes to God something he cannot repay, but he must repay it. And the only way he can repay it is if uh, God himself repays it. And so that, that's that's why the incarnation is so important. You capture very important, um, several important observations there. So, so the New Testament builds on the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there had to be a sacrifice. There had to be atonement, blood offering for sin. And we, we affirm that we are separated from God totally. There's a chasm that we cannot cross. And Jesus as Messiah comes and builds the bridge for us to get back to the Father. In fact, Paul would say later in Corinthians, Ben, that um, that he has reconciled us and that he has given us the ministry of reconciliation in 2 Corinthians 5, um, 16 to 21. But why, why John 1 is so important for the Christmas story and because of Advent is this. For so many years, no one had heard from God. But now God dwells with people and the kind of people that he chooses to dwell with, Ben, I wouldn't choose us. Yeah. But he comes, not only does he come to visit us, but he is Emmanuel. He comes to take up residence among Mm -hmm. unlikely people. And that is encouraging. So dear listener, if you're thinking about why does the incarnation matter to your life? Why does God, man, God putting on human flesh, every other world religion, you have to find your way to God and you, you grope after whatever it may be, whether it's pleasure or entertainment um, or, or fulfilling the five pillars of Islam, but there's just no certainty of assurance that you are brought back to God. So in Jesus, we have assurance because not only did he actually live on the earth and he actually was crucified, but he rose again. So why the incarnation relates to, to our hearts this Christmas, Ben, I think you would agree and just say the incarnation matters because we don't have to look, wonder, worry, what, what, what is God like? As the writer of Hebrews says, um, God spoke a long time ago to the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken through his son. Yeah, and the author of Hebrews goes on to say that he is the exact expression of God's nature. Um, And and that's so important. I think it's also important uh, to just relate um, when we talk about the Old Testament tabernacle and the temple. That's where God's presence was um, sort of centralized. Maybe that's a good word to put to put there. Um, It's ironic that the Greek word for dwelt actually means in a tent or to take up residence, or to encamp, or it can even translate as tabernacle. 
So the word became flesh and you could say he tabernacled among us. God's presence became uh, almost tangible. Um, which, and then, which is another good point about Christmas, because in the Old Testament, you couldn't go to the Holy of Holies, even if you were the priest. Yeah. But now, because of the cross, the, the curtain in the Holy of Holies is removed. And then you and I have access to him. Yes. Now. Yeah. Well, and, and we, we mentioned again uh, the issue of, the, of, of sin and our our um, inability to, to, to come to God on our own. Um, I love the way Augustine of Hippo uh, speaks of this. He, he takes the phrase, we observed his glory or we have seen his glory. And he, he, he sort of centralizes on the idea of our sin and how it has blinded us to the things of God and how we are completely blind to all of the things that are in plain sight when it comes to the things of God. We can't look on him. We can't observe him. We have no way of looking to him. And that is until God comes to us in the incarnation. And Augustine says that, that he has brought an eye salve. He has, he has brought the eye salve that has opened our eyes and taken our blindness away I mean, and that's what happens when God becomes man. I want to quote Augustine here. I think this is so important. He says, and as he thus came by flesh to extinguish the vices of the flesh and by death to slay death, therefore did this take place in thee that as he quotes John 1, 14, the word became flesh, thou mayest be able to say, and we beheld his glory. Well, that even as you share that, Ben, I'm reminded of, of what Paul said, that we see through the glass dimly. And so sin has actually put blinders on us. But Jesus, as the incarnate son, comes to take away those blinders, to open up our eyes so that we can look and recognize 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that the old has passed away, that the new has come. And, and because of Christmas, we can have a new hope and that'll preach, Ben. Yeah, it sure will. You know, and we we often we think about preaching this, but we we don't think about how many of our hymns uh give nod to this truth. Um, I think of the hymn Amazing Grace. One of the lines in the first verse of this wonderful hymn Amazing Grace was blind, but now I see. It is Christ who takes away our blindness. And it's Christ coming as the only begotten son. Uh, he is not an afterthought. He's not a portion of God's essence. He is eternally God that comes in the flesh. And that's so important to us. And he's come again. He's, he's truly God. He's truly man. He is, he is uh, full of grace and truth as John describes it. Well, the doctrine of the God man, um, which gets termed incarnation through the medieval fathers is so pivotal, and I hope to our listeners that it's also encouraging to think about when we go through trials, even though Jesus was sinless, um, he was tempted in every way like we are, yet he was without sin. Mm. And because of that, um, he is our Goel, Ben. He's our kinsman redeemer. 
in the Old Testament, in the book of Ruth, there was this important thing that happens. And this is connected to the Messiah through the lineage. So what happens is Naomi's daughter-in-law, Ruth, her husband dies, and she's left without what they call a kinsman redeemer, um, which was a way that God had set up where a widow wouldn't be left abandoned. And so the next nearest person of kin rejected his opportunity. So Boaz steps in for Ruth and says that he will be a Goel then, a kinsman redeemer. God redeems us because he becomes like us in his son. He's our kinsman redeemer. Yep, absolutely. And then he gives us his spirit to to give us the power to become like him and to indwell us uh, so that we can be found faithful till the end. Well, Ben, did you have any other uh, thoughts on that um, before we share a very, very important prayer um, about the incarnation from Christian history? I just think this is the most important thing we need to uh, continue to study about Christmas. I mean, you just think God became a man. There was no necessity pulling Christ from heaven to do this other than uh, the love of God for sinful men. And we, we can praise uh, the Lord for his uh, love and sending Christ to die in our place uh, for our redemption. Amen. Amen. Well, an ancient prayer of Christians from the past goes this way, dear listener, God of all the prophets, you herald the coming of the son of man by wondrous signs in the heavens and on earth. Guard our hearts from despair so that we in the company of faithful and by the power of your Holy Spirit may be found ready to raise our heads at the coming near of our redemption, the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.